This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. He's going What's he up the right sideline? He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson. Sitting across from me in the studio, Mallory Hartley. Hello, Mallory. Hello, Ish. How are you? I am doing good. I'm freezing in here. Yeah, I've got a space heater down here. So, uh, do, you, do you seriously? Oh, my I God. I do. Right. Chandra brought it in for me. She's uh, like, yeah, it's 65 degrees in there. We'll get you a space heater. I'm like, yeah. man, take care of me. I in here, but that's, it gets a little <laughs> It <wild> does. <laughs> uh, sp- uh, by the way, speaking of talking to us from Undisclosed Location in Central Texas, Mike Craven as usual. Mike, how are you doing, buddy? Good, guys. I'm a little warmer, apparently, than you, you all are. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Jeez, this is nuts. I where, also where, uh, where do y'all leave the thermostat kind of during the day at your house? Like, what's your hang around temperature? Oh, hang. I mean, I'm summer. I'm usually around seventy three, seventy five. Yeah, so I keep exactly yeah. seventy four in that range. Keep the, the the fan on a little bit. Yeah, I'm also cheap, good. so like I don't want to. Like <laughs> I know friends who are like oh sixty five or sixty eight. I'm like I don't that's want a hundred dollar electricity bill. So yeah. That's me. That's so cold, though. What about you, Craven? Where are you at? I am about 74, 75 during the day. Drop it to, like, 71, 72 at night if, gotcha. if possible. You know, keep the fans going. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Just keep the fans going. I got a tower fan uh, over the summer, and that's helped a lot. So I can nice. even crank it up. I can even crank the, the AC up a little bit more to to warm it up a little bit more now that I got that tower fan going. So. Save some money, too. Yeah, exactly. No, like, I, I like it. I like it. I don't it. know. Like I said, I, I, know fr- I know people that, like, I need 65 to sleep. And, like, I get yeah. it, right? It's comfortable. Like, if I'm in a hotel, like, I'll crank that down yep. to whatever. Yep matter i'm not paying for it but um yeah i don't want like 120 bucks to come back on my electricity bill i'm just like i, I don't no, need that we're <laughs> journalists yeah, exactly. we can't, exactly. <laughs> we can't afford that. it and in the winter i can just you know I, I can i'm the type of guy that's like unless it's freezing cold outside like i can leave like the heater off like yeah. if, I, if i can go to work or something come back and like maybe crank it on a bit but yeah. like i don't need unless it's like you know, 10 degrees, 20 degrees mm-hmm. or something. I'm not the guy that needs to like have the heater blast right. either. So. I'm a very warm blooded person too. Yeah. So I, I don't get cold easily yeah. except if it's 65 in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Besides go. that. What about you in the heat in the, in the winter? Are you any different Craven? No, no I'm about the same. Just yeah. uh, kind of let it go. Yeah. So maybe at night if I have like a little nip in the air or whatever, but right. other than that, yeah. so, <laughs> cheaper time. I've been choking on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, right. we have no. Well, moving on to some actual news, I guess we should probably get into. We had some big news dropping. Mm-hmm. I guess officially dropped yesterday. It's been rumored for a while. People have kind of. It's kind of been in the weeds for uh, some time now. But Texas A&M Commerce officially moving on, moving up, I should say, to Division One, the Southland Conference. Of course, the Southland lost uh, multiple teams to the WAC this past summer, and now they're they've been very open that they were going to be looking for uh, uh, new teams. And uh, yesterday, uh, Texas A&M Commerce officially announced that they are joining the Southland, moving up to D1. Exciting times for them. I know Texas Football Today had uh, the uh, Commerce AD on. So mm-hmm. if you want to mm-hmm. go listen to that on YouTube, uh, they did do an interview with him today. Um, yeah, man, like this is this is really cool because 
Of course, Texas A&M Commerce, until uh, 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 Sam Houston won the national title last year, was the most recent national title in D1 or D2 in Texas. And them getting this kind of exposure, you know, it really does set up something pretty cool for the future. Craven, what are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it made sense. I think for the Southland, they're they're losing some teams, specifically some Texas teams um, from their footprint off to the WAC. So to kind of to kind of keep a, a flagship program in the state of Texas, I think was important uh, for Commerce. I'm really excited. They've they've played really good football historically over the last few years and stuff. It'll be a, a good challenge for them. I think their facilities line up. Uh, with what they need there and so yeah i mean just an exciting time for commerce and for the state and anytime you know tarleton's moving up as well to division mm-hmm. one so anytime there's kind of more uh programs in that area it's better for us better for the state of texas and better for the high school players in the state kind of more options to go to yeah for sure i this- got a question mm-hmm. go for, for either of you what does that kind of say about the lcs though i mean they're losing kind of that staple school yeah. i think i think i heard them say that that uh, A&M Commerce has been a part of the LCS for like almost a century mm-hmm. now. So they're losing that, that staple team. Yeah. You know, what, what, what are they going to do? What does that say kind of about them? I wonder if they go look at what D3 schools they potentially could maybe look at right, to come right. to D3, uh, to D2. Um, I do wonder what this says about the potential future of Midwestern State mm-hmm. if they look mm-hmm. to move up to. Because I know from talking with a lot of coaches when I was um, a beat writer, you know, a lot of people considered Midwestern states' facilities probably more, probably better than Commerce's. Right. And so now, now I wonder. Like those two schools were definitely pretty tied at the hip in terms of the uh, Lone Star Conference uh, mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if they look at moving up now. And th- I mean, it does it does make you wonder because you know we talk uh, the Heartland dis- dissolved a while ago and kind of everybody merged into the the Lone Star. And so maybe they're in a decent spot to handle, you know, some teams right. leaving. They did get a lot, a big influx. But I do wonder what this says about the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're down to seven schools. So, yeah. I mean, either those schools need to find some places to jump ship or they need to find three or four schools to kind of bring in the fold. So mm-hmm. it's definitely kind of a tipping point for that conference. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one more thing that's actually not on the agenda. Uh, I did want to bring it up, though. Jacob Zeno uh, transferring from Baylor. He announced mm-hmm. yesterday uh, officially uh, one thing, it, it, it's not a coincidence to me that it came after the Iowa State game because I think that there was always that indication of, you know, is Gary Bahannon really that great at Baylor? Uh, is he just beating up on teams that were lesser than, you know, lesser talented? But he came out great against Iowa State, and I think Jacob Zeno saw the writing on the wall and said, like, look, this guy's really talented. I'm not going to really get a chance unless something goes really wrong, which does not look like it's going to be the case. I'm not going to really get to play anytime soon, so I'm going to take my chances elsewhere. Craven, you were you were on the recruiting beat when he was getting scouted by Baylor, uh, when he was getting hype out of San Antonio J, I believe. Um, yep. What you know? What do you, what do you what do you see with Jacob Zeno? Do you see him getting you know a, another Power Five opportunity, or is this somebody who you maybe see benefit from going maybe a Group of Five? Yeah, I mean, I always thought Baylor was a little bit of a reach for him. He was pretty inconsistent in high school, had a long ways to go as, as like, your stereotypical pocket passer. Sure. I mean, he has a little bit of athleticism. He has a live arm. So, you know, he's talented enough to play. You know, you'd like to see this kind of happen in the offseason. I mean, you're only, you know, one rolled ankle away from getting in and playing some snaps theoretically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think he probably, you know, Conference USA – uh, somewhere in that range, you know, maybe a Texas state or something like that reaches out North Texas. We've talked a lot about a lot on this, on this pod needs some, 
uh, quarterback. So, you know, there, there'll be a market for him. I'm just not sure if the market will be as big or bigger than Baylor was. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think looking back to that Big 12 title game, I remember, you know, him getting – the offense had really trouble moving the ball. He comes in, shows off that big arm, and at that point, you know, it kind of looked like he was the heir apparent to Charlie Brewer. Of course, new new staff comes in, new offense comes in twice now, um, and he kind of gets – I'm going to say lost in the pack. He was very much in the quarterback battle, but – Clearly not what they were looking for for that wide zone offense. Gary Bahannon's been very, very good. The running game's been very, very good. And he kind of just, he might just be a case of, you know, fits not working out. Somebody like, you know, a Seth Luttrell or a Jake Spavadol or something like that with a more traditional uh, pocket spread, air raid concepts kind of uh, system might be more beneficial to someone like him who, you know, doesn't really like to move a lot or doesn't isn't really asked to do like RPOs or really probably doesn't thrive in that kind of environment. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see. He's a former four-star prospect, really, really talented arm, like you mentioned. Um, I think he's clearly talented enough to start somewhere. Uh, we'll just see exactly where that's going to be. Maybe he'll end up in Utah. <laughs> I was about to say, why not? <laughs> just join the big line of Texas quarterbacks at Utah. Why not? Uh, anyway, let's get on to the picks this week. Uh, Mallory, you want to take it away from here? I absolutely do. We'll go ahead and get our teams that have bye weeks out of the way. First up, Texas State. They've got a bye week. They're going to play South Alabama next week. And our second team that has a bye week, North Texas. Uh, they're taking on Missouri Ooh. next week. So that'll be that'll be an interesting game. Two teams game. that need to be a little timeout for a bit. So I think yeah, that's a yeah. good week for, for buys. Maybe it'll be a better I, game that I, way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the bye in both of those games. <laughs> you know Great. what? I can't even argue with that. No, you can't. <laughs> I love it. I hope you bet on that game. <laughs> and our, our, we're starting off with our first actual game of the week. Houston will play at Tulsa this Friday, October 1st at 6.30 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN and ESPN, excuse me, and Tulsa is favored by four and a half. Yeah, that's, everybody's kind of looking at that like yeah. Tulsa's favored in this one and – I wonder how much of that is just holdover from Houston really struggling against Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. then, of course, the uncertainty with Clayton Toon. Um, Tulsa did have a win over Arkansas State this week, uh, or last week, I should say. And, I mean, they played decently against Ohio State uh, and Oklahoma State. So, like, you kind of wonder how much of it is those. I know those teams are struggling, too. Ohio State's not looking like the team that we thought. And uh, Oklahoma State's also kind of struggling. But, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm not too shocked by this line. I don't know about you. What about you, Craven? Yeah, I mean, you know, normally there's about three points for being at home. So this mm-hmm. is about minus one and a half, probably close to a pick game, which seems right. I mean, like you mentioned, Clayton Toon, just, he doesn't look that healthy. He definitely doesn't look close to 100%. So some of it's that. Some of it's they struggled with Navy. And then I think some of it is, you know, they lost to a Texas Tech team that just gave up 70 to, to UT and didn't really look like they were very much in that game at all. So yeah. I think uh, kind of the stock is down right now on Houston. This is kind of a game where maybe they can get right, but with Clayton Toon's kind of injury status up in the air and what he can and can't do, I'd probably lead more towards Tulsa minus four and a half. Uh, I think I'm going to – if we get a healthy Clayton tune, I'm going to go Houston outright um, because I just – I mean, it's one of those games where it feels like Houston should be able to out-talent them, but there's only so many ta- so many ways you can get away with that before it just eventually catches up with you when you're not as polished as maybe – I mean, Tulsa's – again, Tulsa's not great, but even last year Tulsa's team wasn't a great team on paper, but they would still squeak out these wins and – 
I think solid showings against Oklahoma State and Ohio State, I think that's cause for concern if I'm Houston. I mean, Houston's offense hasn't really clicked yet, and if Clayton tunes out, potentially that that struggle continues even more. Houston defense has really, really been shaky, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna take Houston just because I'm gonna hope Clayton Tunes healthy, but this one's one definitely to keep an eye on. Mallory. Yeah, I feel like based on talent level, Tulsa's kind of overachieved or at least played better than maybe what it would suggest on paper. Sure. Whereas Houston's played worse, and so yeah. unless that changes, I think Tulsa takes this one. Yeah. Moving on to an older rivalry, we've got TCU versus Texas this Saturday, October second at 11 a.m. Can watch this game on ABC and Texas is favored by five and a half or just no just five excuse me just five five yeah, points yeah this one I mean basically if you watch the games last week obviously you would you would see why Texas is favored but right if you've seen Texas against TCU you would kind of understand why it's also a little bit closer um I'm kind of I'm, I'm baffled on this one what are you actually thinking on this one Craven? Give me TCU plus five. I mean, I just I know that this is a different regime, and, and maybe Sark shouldn't pay the debts of, of previous staffs and mm-hmm. stuff. But Gary Patterson owns UT, and until that changes, until mm-hmm. I watch that change, I'm going to lean towards TCU at home. And it just feels like one of those where you're coming off a loss at SMU. Everybody's feeling down about TCU. Everybody's ready to bury the frogs. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those where Gary Patterson kind of reminds everybody why he's been there for 20-plus years. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to come down to both offensive lines, whichever one has a better day uh, probably is the victor here. But playing at home and getting five points, I'm going to lean towards TCU plus five. I think I'm with you there. I'm still waiting to see – I would like to see how this TCU front does against that Texas defensive line because we, you know, we meant we saw what they did, what Arkansas did to them. Um, Texas Tech really didn't. I mean, they were they fell behind pretty early, so they really didn't get to exploit that uh, potential mismatch there in the run game. I think TCU absolutely will. TCU could be down twenty-one nothing, and they'll still try to run the ball. Um, I think they'll find some success there. My concern is, of course, with TCU's defense. Um, They got absolutely torched last week against SMU. I think this is a Texas offense that's feeling itself. Um, One of the things that I think I forgot uh, exactly the numbers, but Shahan, of all people, actually put it on Twitter where they've only not scored a touchdown with Casey Thompson like five times, (laughs) like five drives. Like it's something insane where it's like if the fact that they're just clicking right now and have this has this quarterback who just knows the system well enough and knows the players well enough that I'm kind of terrified for that TCU yeah. defense a bit. But I'm also not totally sold on the Texas defense either. So, again, they made some plays last week to really put Tech in some uh, uncomfortable situations early. I don't think that's indicative of how good they are. I, I would think I would trust this TCU offense to maybe, I don't want to say keep pace, but definitely make this more of a game um, and not let this really get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Texas is 35 points better than Tech. Right. And I don't think TCU's as bad as they played last week. And so this feels like one of those perfect mergers where uh, the average gambler goes heavy on Texas because of how they just played and then gets hurt by it uh, because TCU can play. And I honestly, if you're going to make a bet on this game, I would go with the over. I think it's like 65 and a half, mm-hmm. 66, somewhere like that. Because TCU is going to take some deep shots, 
And this Texas secondary is still really bad yeah. at handling deep passes down the field. Their safety plays not very well. The corners aren't very good in man-on-man coverage. Quentin Johnson, Tay Barber, those guys are going to have big days. I would take the over pretty – I would hammer the over. Yeah, uh, looking at the SP Plus numbers, uh, TCU 41st in defense and Texas uh, – let me find it right here – 52nd. So, yeah, slam that over. It's going to come down to who's going to score the most points. Basically, like just, literally, just like, I don't know, <laughs> like you mentioned, just slam the over because this could be also like a Max Duggan redemption game because he's struggled a bit because mm-hmm. the offensive line hasn't been great. But it's just like, I don't know, like it's, it could be a game where he just looks down and you're like, oh, he has 320 passing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our next matchup of the week. Texas Tech at West Virginia this Saturday at 2.30 can watch this game on ESPN2, and West Virginia is favored by seven points. I really think this is a must-win game for Matt Wells, yeah. or we may be looking at a new Texas Tech head coach in the next couple weeks. I'm going to take does West Virginia. It does feel uh, like a very kind of important game for Matt Wells yeah. and, and his regime there mm-hmm. at Texas Tech. If you, if you can follow up that loss to Texas with a win on the road against West Virginia, I think the water's calm a little bit. You mm-hmm. can point towards the Houston win and then the West Virginia win and be like, hey, look, UT's just pretty good. They beat us. Uh, if they lose this one and start off 0-2 in conference play, I mean, the noise just gets louder and louder and louder, and I don't know how the administration doesn't take that into account. Yeah, I'm going to go with West Virginia because I just don't – I mean, no Tyler Shuck. Yeah. Um, that's a huge loss. And I don't know how much of Henry Columbia's output last year was just Texas kind of eh, letting him get what he wanted. Um, the game was really out of hand by the time he really put up those numbers. I, I feel like we know what Henry Columbia is, which is a fine, serviceable quarterback. But I I, I don't think West Virginia's defense is uh, – they're too good to let that really take over. And so I'm wondering how much of a balance we see because Henry Columbia, of course, is a very capable runner. Do we see him thrown in there with Sir Thompson and Taj Brooks? And well, I guess Taj Brooks is out too. Um, mm-hmm. So, geez, I yeah, They're I don't just know. I, up. I was about to say I, I think Tech's too banged up. Um, Sir Roderick Thompson showed a little flash last week, but he's still coming back. I don't know if he can throw thirty carries his way. Um, I get, give me West Virginia. I think this is mm-hmm. unfortunately for Matt Wells. I think this is just a little bit too banged up of a team right now. Yeah, back against the wall. I'm probably going to put my money on Texas Tech plus seven. Mm-hmm. One, if it's a seven-point game, I can get a draw and get that money back. Sure. But it just feels like one of those, like, it's now or never with Texas Tech, and you'd hope that locker room's, you know, excited enough to kind of go on the road and maybe get one back for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got SMU taking on USF. I think it's SMU's homecoming game, too. Hmm. This Saturday at 3 p.m., and you can watch this game on ESPNU. SMU favored by 20 and a half points, which isn't very surprising after what they did to TCU last week. Yeah, <laughs> no, give me – I don't I, – I know Craven's not a fan of big spreads, but give me SMU. USF's not good. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they, they did show a little bit of promise last week against BYU. They came back from like a 21-point deficit true. in the first quarter yeah. against BYU, and I think, you know, they may be kind of figuring out their quarterback situation a little bit, but Maybe. still – I, I think the SMU by a lot. <laughs> yeah. From a betting standpoint, yeah, I mean, I normally do try to stay away from any lines that are getting close to three touchdowns or so, but the Mustangs are rolling, man. That mm-hmm. was a really good football team last week. Their running backs are really good. 
I think this is another one of those games where they just hand the ball off 50 times and just wear down USF. That's where I would worry about the spread. This may be one of those games where they just run the ball over and over and over again, and the point isn't really to put up as big a number. So, um, line wise, I'd probably, probably, honestly, I'd probably buy a half point and take USF plus twenty one. Interesting. Okay, I could see that. Um, I just, mm, I think I do wonder how much of I don't want to say a letdown after last week, but it does feel like there's a come down soon for SMU. Not mm-hmm. saying that they're going to relapse or anything, but. You know, you get Navy next week. Oh, we'll rebound against Navy. We'll be fine. But I don't think there's necessarily going to be stressing too much against USF. I wouldn't be stunned if that's the case. And, you know, they get a little bit of a letdown against the, and, uh, you know, they only win by 14 or 17 or something. Um, but I just think US, I mean, I'm trying to find the. SP. It's not like they're going to give their all against right, this right. USF team. Exactly. You know, I, mean, is, yeah, you know. I feel like it's going to be like Craven said, like, okay, they go up 14, uh, right. 17, nothing, 21, nothing, 21, three. And then they just kind of coast out throughout their right, ride, right. ride the stable of running backs and get out of there. I'm trying to find their SP numbers. Uh, USF currently one seventeenth in SP plus offense and one 14th in SP plus defense. So not looking good. Um, Consistent. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there you go. That is, I guess that's the way you can look at it too. So, what's next, Mallory? Moving on, we have UTSA taking on UNLV this Saturday at 5 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus. UTSA again, another big spread, favored by 21 points. Yeah, Craven, take, take it, it away. away. <laughs> I was gonna say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I do feel like this UTSA team is is riding a high that will allow them to win this game by more than 21 points. I mean, you would think that effort in the fourth quarter kind of continues on this week against a team that's that's not very good. I know that Jeff Trailer is kind of on his guys over and over and over again about not really letting past success or all the talk about them um, kind of get into their heads. I think we see a pretty big crowd at the Alamo Dome, or at least big in comparison to what has been there. Um, earlier in the year and then 2019, the last time that fans were allowed in there. So I think it's a pretty loud, ruckus crowd, and UTSA has a pretty easy one, uh, mostly because of the defense and the running game. You know, even if the passing game is a little off again this week, I think you can always, you know, rely on Sincere McCormick and that defense. And that's somewhere that UTSA has gotten that they weren't ever at before. You can you can really count on a couple things showing up each and every week. Yeah. As, uh, UNLV, let's put it this way, their defense is not good. They've given up. 35, 37, 48, 38. Um, and by the way, one of those 35s was to Eastern Washington FCS program, who they also lost to. So they are struggling right now. Um, shout out Tate Martell, who is, I believe, the fourth quarterback on UNLV's roster. Um, he's also there. Uh, yeah, now I think this would be a spot. I would say if, if it wasn't a Jeff Trailer team, I would say this would be a spot for a letdown. But I don't see that happening. Mm-mm. Um I just don't – UTSA is just flat-out more talented everywhere on the field right now. They're clicking in ways that I really didn't even expect. Um, I'm, I've harped on Frank Harris uh, where I thought he was the weak spot to this offense. He's definitely turned into an asset, and they're using him as basically as well as anybody else. They had their scare last week, They going down 21 nothing and coming back. They flashed Sincere McCormick as that dude uh, who can still carry the entire offense and be good. I think they're going to be perfectly fine. I think they're going to use this as a tune-up for next week, which is going to be a mm-hmm. shootout, in my opinion, against Western Kentucky. That's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I think they'll be fine here. Yeah, I I just don't. And it's a home game. I mean, they're back after you know after their biggest win of the year. I mean, come on now. This will be this this is a this is a cakewalk to me. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think the fact that they, and you pointed to this, I think the fact that they started so slow last week mm. kind of gets them in that mode of we're going to start fast and UNLV is just not capable of coming back if UTSA can put up a 14, 17 point first quarter. Yeah. Moving on, we've got Rice taking on Southern Miss this Saturday at 5.30 p.m. ESPN3, <laughs> you can watch it on there. And, guys, Rice is favored by oh, two and a half oh points. Boy. All right. <laughs> Who's taking it? Oh. Last words. Who's taking the bait? <laughs> Last words. Rice is favored. Um, oh. Honestly, like, jokes aside, this is yeah. one they need, right? Yeah, it I is. mean, there's not going to be too many games the rest of this season out where – they're going to line up against a team that's, you know, on the same talent level as them. And so uh, this is an important game, I believe, for the Owls. The quarterback situation is kind of up in the air. Who's healthy, who's not? I think that's the biggest question mark. But this does feel, you know, at home, favored against a team that's, you know, on equal footing as you talent-wise. It feels like a, a game that Rice really needs. Right. You've, you've got to make this game like that kind of confidence booster game because they've got UTSA, UAB, and then North Texas, yeah. and then Charlotte and Western Kentucky all in the next couple weeks. So, yeah. yeah, they need to use this as a, as a booster. I don't know if you guys have kept up with uh, – so, well, first of all, last year, of course, Southern Miss had like 17 head coaches. Like, yes. Because they kept on quitting <laughs> and leaving and taking various jobs. I don't know if you kept up with like – how Will Hall was talking about his own job like just like two weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have noticed. So he basically like it was like after like two games, he was like, yeah, that was these are the worst coaching jobs I've ever done. And like he was so demoralizing. And I'm like, my guy, like it's week. It's, it's like not even October yet. And they're they're one and three. They're they're like not terrible. Like, again, last year they were just like a tire fire. He took over a, an incredible, uh, incredibly terrible situation. But I think it was after their 21 nine loss to Troy where he just absolutely talked, just like ran his own things, ran his own credentials down. And it was just really, really interesting to me how he was like. I don't know if he was just trying to take all the pressure off his guys mm-hmm, or what, but mm-hmm. it really like made it's me feel bingo. Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it really, made, really made me feel bad for him. Where I'm just like, you're, 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 you're an okay, you're an okay coach. Like, don't mm-hmm, worry. Like, mm-hmm. it was almost like a, you know, I had to go to like, uh, felt like I had to go to counseling for a bit for him. Where it's just like, <laughs> listen, my guy, you, you had this job for a reason. You're a pretty okay quarter, uh, uh, coordinator in your own right. And I think he came from, yeah, he was a Tulane coordinator. So like, you know, he did some good things under Willie Fritz, but. I don't know. That was that was just an aside. I think I, I agree with you guys. I think Jake Constantine, for the most part, I think is settled in as the guy for Rice. I mean, like he's you know the quarterback play hasn't been great, but they're winning. They won with him. Um, I believe uh, our guys at the Roost over there said in four years as a collegiate starter, uh, he is. They have. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's four now. I think as a starter um, with Jake Constantine, which again sample size whatever but when you're rice you're looking for anything mm-hmm. <laughs> at the quarterback yeah. position so um yeah jake constein has never lost a regular season game at home in four years as starter so you know uh i think give him, that i'll say i was about to say give him give him the shot i yeah. think he'll be good um give me the owls me too i'll take it yeah give me the owls and give me the over it's 44 and a half i mm-hmm. mean Rice gave up like 30 plus to southern or to texas southern yeah. so give me the over yeah Next up, we've got number 15, Texas A&M, taking on Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on SEC Network. And Texas A&M only favored by seven points. Uh, I, I I legitimately don't know. Um, Mississippi State is not good. So yeah. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm confident in what they're doing. But 
I think I'm going to give the benefit to this defense. Um, mm-hmm. I think Arkansas's offensive line is just was just you know crazy, and they ran the ball really well. I still think this defense is good, despite that. Um, I'm going to say that they. I'm going to say that they cover this one just because I, I don't trust Mississippi State. I don't think they're very good at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd be worried about this game kind of sandwiched between Arkansas and Alabama had A&M had a good performance last week. But since they played pretty bad in that loss, I, I feel like they come back and play pretty well. And we saw with Texas after they lost to Arkansas mm-hmm. that they, they bounced back pretty easily. I think the Razorbacks are just good. If you look at that Georgia yeah. line with, with uh, Arkansas-Georgia, I think Arkansas is like, an underdog by 18 and a half points. So Vegas just does not respect that Arkansas team. I think that's why this line is so low. Give me A&M by at least 10 points. When you're a Mike Leach team, it's known for insane offense, mm-hmm. throwing the ball 60 times a game, and you're sitting – let me see where they are. They are currently 63rd in offensive S&P. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, their defense is what's carrying them, which is wild. They're 21st in SP plus defense, which is not a Mike Leach team. That is I was about to say that. To, that's not what he wants. Like they're prop, they're you know they're, I think they're just outside the top, roughly top 30 in the country um, overall. And that you know your first uh, indication is like, oh cool, he's got them going up. But it's like that's not the way he wants them to play. Like he's Mm-mm. he's probably happy they have a good defense, but they want that they want that reversed. Um, putting it this way, I think that. A and M is going to go back to what worked for them. They're going to go back to the running game. I think that Jimbo now has multiple games of realizing what he has at quarterback. I think last week was the closest we'll probably get to him ever throwing a player under the bus without actually throwing a player under the bus because he basically said there was only only so much I could call, more or less. I'll have to find the quote exactly, but it was more or less like you know we tried some deep shots. They all got checked down. Um, of course, you know, Zach Calzada has an arm, but it's not just about like, yeah, I don't know. He, he reminds me a lot of shortstops who in high school who don't really have the polish of a quarterback. And so he'll just rifle every short pass in there. There was one pass, I think it was to Anais Smith that was over the middle and it was like five yard dump and he just rifled it in there. And it just like, I think it like deflected or something. And it was like, all right, like that's that. We get it. You have a cannon. <laughs> Lighten up a little bit. Um, but also when it comes to his deep reads, he kind of overshoots or tends to just check down because he doesn't think he can hit him. So I think he knows what he has at quarterback now. I trust this A&M defense to really rebound, especially. Give me A&M. I think that'll be pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calzada's a guy lacking in confidence right now. Sure. He needs he needs a game where some things happen down the field that he can start feeling good about himself. I'm really surprised that Jimbo – did do what you said and kind of threw him under the bus a little bit because he's a guy who who feels like needs to have an arm put around his shoulder and just remind him you know why he is at a and m because he does have all the talent he's got he can make every single throw out there uh it's just having the confidence to do so yeah here was the let me see i have the quote right here he said uh jimbo on this from texags on uh jimbo on a&m's lack of deep passing attempts they were playing a three-five-three. they were playing a lot of deep zone they were trying to limit uh, you to intermediate and short throws. We called about six deep shots in the game, and we had to check them all down, which is basically them saying, yeah, they give, they let Zach Calzada. Like, yeah, throw those, you know, we'll give you that. It's fine. Like, you're not going to try as deep. So, um, again, I think I think he realizes what he has at quarterback. Um, I don't think he'll ever call a player out or any, anybody out individually specifically, but I think that's about as close as you get. So, um, also, offensive line needs to get healthy. needs to needs another confidence booster as well. They got absolutely decimated last week. So, yeah. 
Coming up next, we've got number 21, Baylor, at number 19, Oklahoma State, this weekend on Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN2. And Oklahoma State is actually favored by three and a half points. This one's going to be ugly. Oklahoma State's defense is actually what's really keeping them in games. Their offense is kind of – it's weird because we – you know, especially us here at, at Dave Campbell's, we kind of figured, especially a couple years ago – Oh, Spencer Sanders comes into that mm-hmm. offense. That's the guy taking over. That's the next great Oklahoma State quarterback. And he really hasn't been. No. They've really struggled last year, especially when they had these weapons around him that you seemingly assumed he would just slot right into. He's, I mean, their offense just hasn't clicked. I mean, I, I don't know if he's been hurt, but I know he's been trading uh, snaps with Illingsworth as well. So, like, I feel like just for – what we know about Baylor, I'm going to go with Baylor. I'm going to go with um, Baylor. I think this is a low-scoring game because I think this is two defenses that are really, really good. But I think I would trust Baylor's offense to get the couple plays in the running game that are going to be needed to win this. Mm-hmm. It does feel like uh, two kind of mirror images teams going up against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this was neutral side, I think it'd be pretty much a pick em games, three and a half points. Oklahoma State's at home. So uh, I think everybody sees this as, as pretty even. It's going to come down to turnovers. Gary Bohannon, Bohannon did a great job against Iowa State limiting turnovers, and uh, he needs to do that again. If, if they don't turn the ball over, I think, with that offensive line and that defense, and then the penchant for o- Oklahoma State's quarterbacks to turn it over, I think Baylor can win this football game. It's going to be, you know, tell me who wins the rushing battle and who wins the turnover battle, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I can predict who wins. Right, and I should correct. Uh, that's a, I should issue a correction. Spencer Sanders missed one game with COVID, and so that's why Ellingsworth got in. But if you look at the numbers, so Spencer Sanders has almost 600 yards passing, f- under 60 percent completion. He's about, he's hovering around 59 percent. Four touchdowns, one pick, five sacks. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, and just watching him, even when he when he officially got the job, like for good last year, he's just been very much okay. And I think mm-hmm. that he's, there's been a lot more expectation as, you know, obviously a highly touted recruit, but also as Oklahoma State and, and Mike Gundy's next dubbed really good quarterback coming in. So, um, I think yeah. this is kind of the first time they're kind of being tested sure. this year, too. I mean, if you look at their their past four games this season, there's no really key marked wins. And mm-hmm. they're not by very much either. Right. Oklahoma State has not really made any kind of statement. Right. They were. Uh, I think last week's win over Kansas State was very much a surprise. People, I think people thought Kansas State, where Oklahoma State was, they were very vulnerable. And right. I think that the way Kansas State was rolling, people kind of were shocked that they came out and looked pretty good. That was the first good offensive output from Spencer Sanders. I believe he had about 300 yards passing in that game, uh, a, couple, a couple scores. So... That was like, oh, okay, here's where we kind of thought this team would be. Is that going to continue? Who knows? Because like you mentioned before that, it's kind of been some close wins against Missouri State, Mm -hmm. Tulsa, uh, Boise State's good, but um, it's been kind of up and down for them. So, And last up on our schedule, we've got UTEP versus Old Dominion this Saturday at 8 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus. And guys... Oh, no. Miners are favored by five and a half points. Oh, we're doing it again. All right. Uh, <laughs> Craven, you rolling the dice twice? I'm all in on this Miners team reaching a bowl game. And to do so, they got to win this game. It. I'm not sure that they win by like a touchdown. Five and a half seems kind of on the edge of my comfort zone mm-hmm. there with, with UTEP. Mm-hmm. But 
Uh, although momentum, knowing that they only have a couple of games left on the schedule that they really need to win in order to reach six games, yeah. you have to beat Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this team at home coming off a big win against New Mexico where they played really well in the second half, I think that carries over. They start well against Old Dominion. Old Dominion just doesn't have the horses to kind of stay with them. And uh, I think a big game from the offense, a lot of passing yards, and, and UTEP wins this one by about a touchdown, but it'll be it'll be one you sweat into about eleven, eleven thirty o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with UTEP as well. I think that they got something really going. I think that the big playability of this offense just gives them something that I don't think Old Dominion can match. Um they've been yep. really inconsistent on offense as well. I believe their only really good output was against Hampton. Um again granted they played Liberty, which is a really good team, Wake Forest, Power Five, but also a Buffalo team that's been kind of up and down after the, you know, they're still with their new head coach as well. So give me yeah, give me uh UTEP just because and it feels weird saying this about UTEP. I trust them more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I trust Gavin Hardison. I trust – I mean, we'll see what the running game looks like. I know they've been banged up there, but I, I especially trust this defense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Man, UTEP, UTEP could be going bowling, and that's kind of wild to say. I don't want to jinx it yet. I'm going to really, really hold on and try to not say mm-hmm. that. But, man, they need this one if it is going to happen. I think it really comes down to that North Texas game too because I think mm. – I think we cho- when we were talking about them earlier in 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 the season um, when we were kind of doing those previews, you mm-hmm. know, of each team, we said Southern Miss is probably a win, Rice, and then Old Dominion, and then that, that North Texas game is really going to be, yeah. I think, what makes or break them, yeah. makes or breaks them. Mm-hmm. I think when when you also when you look at the the benefit, I think for UTEP is that the fact that they have multiple weapons on both sides of the ball. I'm looking at Old Dominion, and I see a lot of DJ Mack at quarterback. I see him running for 70 yards. I see him throwing for 280, like, you know, leading a lot of leading rusher, leading passer type games where with TC or the UTEP, they don't need, they don't need Gavin Hardison to throw for 300 yards. You know, right. They have a running game. They have, they don't even need, they have two wide receivers that are all conference caliber. Um, they have a defense that could absolutely, absolutely get you back in a game if you, if they need to make stops um, as we saw last week against New Mexico. And so I am a little, so the thing I will say is, what we haven't seen is them go up against a dynamic threat like this before. Of course, Boise State, but Boise State was more talented across the field. I'm interested to see how they handle somebody as dynamic as DJ um, uh, uh, DJ Clark at quarterback, and so I want or DJ Mack, excuse me, at quarterback. Um, is this somebody that's going to give them a little bit of trouble on defense because they haven't faced that dynamic of an athlete quite yet? And if you go again, you know, you mentioned UTSA, we got. Uh, FAU, Louisiana Tech, they have these dynamic playmakers on offense that they're going to see later on down the line. Is this a good test? Granted, uh, uh, around the rest of the field, probably not as talented as those teams, but just at quarterback alone, this is a good test for the type of uh, athletes they're going to see down the line. And UTEP has to prove that they're capable of handling success and some pats on the back and mm-hmm. nice things being said about them, yeah. you know, and it's learning always, yeah, how it's to win been. and learning how to win consistently can right. be one of those things that coaches talk about a lot. And a lot of us roll our eyes, uh, but it's a real thing. You have to learn how to be a favorite. And this is going to be a test for UTEP on just how they handle expectations and how they can kind of keep their head down and take every opponent uh, the same and not really look at who's favored, who's not favored. And then I think this is where somebody like, Dana Dimmel really shows as a coach because he's been there, right? He's been to those like, 
you know, every time Kansas State kind of sne- snuck up on you and then, uh, you know, it, looks, it looked like a letdown spot or looked like a, you know, that kind of uh, opportunity, they wouldn't. They would just keep churning because that was just like the – I mean, it sounds cliche, but that was the old school mentality that that Bill, that Bill Snyder had. And I wonder if that bled down to Dana Dimmel, him and his old school mentality. He has a lot of veteran coaches on that staff that – have definitely been in those situations where, you know, they kind of creep up on teams and all of a sudden they're three and one, four and one. Oh, is this a letdown spot? And it turns out not to be. So uh, last year they were in this situation, three and one coming out of non-conference, and they ended up losing two straight, three straight, excuse me, to La Tech Charlotte. Granted, they were close games, but you kind of don't want, you kind of want to keep that good feeling going because, as we saw, it was a decent crowd at that uh, New Mexico game. Granted, rivalry, but still, people were starting to go to the Sun Bowl again. And if you really go into this 4-1, and one, 5 and one, we'll see. Who knows? Who knows what happens? You just need three more wins. You just need three more wins. <laughs> That's it. And you could get two is, of them in the next two weeks. I was so. about to say. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to think. Craven, you are going to your FCS roots this, uh, this weekend, correct? Yeah, Prairie View A&M, Arkansas Pine Bluff on Thursday night. And then Saturday, it's uh, Battle of the Piney Woods. Uh, Sam Houston State versus Stephen F. Austin at NRG. Hoo-wee. I didn't realize it was at NRG. That's even yeah, And it's going to fit in uh, Katie, Katie Tompkins on Friday night. Oh, Ooh, man. That'll be a good game. That's going to be a Jealous. really good slate for you this weekend. Man. Mm-hmm. All righty. Mallory, where are you at? You're at a high school game this Friday, right? I am. I'm actually at a really good one. Ooh. Argyle and Melissa. Oh, that's on that Friday. Might actually, be like the showcase of DFW this weekend because it's yeah. a pretty weak slate outside of that. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, probably usually when I do these games for I I go for Honda, sure. and so you know we're usually done by halftime. But at this game, I'm like, nah, I'm gonna stay. Yeah. Keep yeah, tweeting out scores say. and stuff. Exactly. I, mean, I might as well get some good football out of it too. Nice. So. I was gonna think about going to that one. I'm still trying to figure out my game. So it's been a. It's a bare, it's a barren slate outside of that game, and then there's a, there was yeah, one other yeah. in Austin, I think, around the Austin area that I was maybe looking at. But there's just a lot of slate. teams on bye weeks. That's true. You know, yeah. they just a lot of teams have buys this week, so it's hard to find a, a good one that's not, you know, Houston. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, anyway, that's our slate for this week. Um, I'm wondering, we're starting to get to. I mean, last week was the, the week that I think we found out a lot about basically every team, uh, both good and bad. This week is kind of testing that theory out, right? You get A&M against Mississippi State. Is the A&M we saw last week actually A&M, or is Arkansas that good, etc.? Um, you get Texas against TCU. You can both test out how we go- how good we think both of those teams are. I'm kind of curious to see how this week plays out. I. I felt like last week we kind of had an inkling. We were interested in what was happening, but I think we kind of had an inkling like uh, Arkansas could be pretty good. Texas could be pretty good. Texas Tech, of course, didn't seem as good as we thought they were. But this week to me even more seems like I don't really – I can't really predict or I can't really see where this is going. I feel like there are some weeks, especially when you get into conference, where like I can bank that happening. I can bank this happening. I don't know. Is a you know is a And M good enough to just beat a bad Mississippi State team? Hopefully, right. That's we kind of pegged them to be a, a dark horse national title at the beginning of the year uh, contender. Um, is Baylor actually trending upward? We'll see. So I think there's a lot to look forward to this weekend. And Rice and UTEP are both favored, and I haven't looked this up, but that can't happen very many times. That, that, that is, that is, we got to look that up Sunday for the Sunday show. That that might be the first time in a while that that's happened. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, for Mallory Hartley, for Mike Craven, I'm Ishmael Johnson. We'll talk to you guys Sunday. Enjoy your football. <laughs>